0: We want to say a welcome to our Taunton campus who watches this message by video. Hello, Taunton. Everybody in North Attleboro, give them a hand. Good to see you. Love our Taunton people. All right, so John chapter four, the title of the message is When Worship Gets Horizontal. We talked about worship last week. We're talking about it one more week, and then we're going to get into our Prosper series next week. When worship gets horizontal, there are two ways to worship. Very quickly, there is vertical worship. Vertical worship. Here is the definition of vertical worship. Vertical worship is bragging to God about God. It's saying, God, you are awesome. God, I love you. God, you have done so great many great things for me. God, I am so thankful for you. I talked all about this last week. That you better look at your life and say, I might not have everything I want to have, but I got a lot of things that God has done for me and given me, and I got to give him praise for his goodness in my life. That's vertical worship. Thank you, God. I love you, God. I gave you an assignment last week. We handed you thank you cards on the way in. And Saturday night, people, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot to announce this, but maybe you figured it out or or logged on to the blog this week that I wanted you to write a thank you card to God and you could post it on your refrigerator or put it somewhere where you'll remember it or you could mail it to us. Many of you mailed it in to us. We are so excited to see the thankfulness of so many hearts from this church and we want to show you what you helped us put together. Go ahead. my best friend and my everlasting life thank you for helping me find Waters Church where I can feel at home and at peace God thank you for restoring my parents marriage and keeping them together father thank you for seeing me through seven and a half years of prison and all those who prayed for me words cannot convey what tears have already said it doesn't matter if the glass is half full or half empty I'm just thankful for the glass If not for you, I would never have been able to say I am a reformed drug addict and recovered alcoholic. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I can be saved for eternity. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to live a sober life and for not giving up on me. God, thank you for healing me from breast cancer this year, allowing the doctors to catch it early. Thank you for my second chances, my family, my job, your grace. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. So, we had this lamp last week, if you weren't here, and I talked about how for a lamp to actually light up, it has to receive what is called an electrical circuit. And that means that the electricity, the power, goes into it. Through Christ, we have received the power of God. But the power can't stop there, because if I take this electrical cord and I stick it in the positive, nothing happens. Nothing. Right now, it's just being a receiver, right now, it's just taking. It. It can't light up like that. At some point, it's gotta send the power that is coming to it, through it, and go back to its source. That's worship. Worship is God gives you the power, and you say, God, to you is the power. I give you the glory for what you've done in my life. And so when we plug both of these wires into this lamp, this is what happens. Please, God, let this happen. All right, there we go. (laughs) I didn't even know if this lamp was still going to work. And this is the circuit of our worship. But look at this light. This light is going up. But guess what else? It's going out. It's vertical and it's horizontal. And if you're going to complete the circuit of God's praise in your life, of God's goodness in your life, worship can't just be one dimensional. It also has to be multidimensional. It's got to be horizontal worship. So if vertical worship is bragging to God about God, here's horizontal worship. Horizontal worship is bragging to others about God. Like, like, if you've got your notes out, at the top of the page, can you write something down for me? And this is going to be different for all of you. This past week, What was the one thing that you made the most deal, the biggest deal about? Just write it down. Your child, your fiance, your mother, your sport, your hobby, your job, your check. What was it? As Christians, I believe we have a sacred responsibility, a sacred trust to make the most of our time and in community with other people worship horizontally and let somebody know this is how good god has been in my life and it doesn't have to be in those words but it has to be some kind of words where when someone asks you what makes you tick how did you get that job how did you get through that time What makes you happy about yourself? What is the thing that you praise regularly every single week? Some of you are great worshipers of your children to other people. And you think your children are the best children that have ever been born. And you are deceived. (laughs) But it's good for you to praise your children. It's not bad. And it's not bad to brag on them. And the reason why you're deceived is because my children are the best children I've ever been born. No. Um, but you do, you do praise things. Every single one of us does. Like, oh, I got a great deal at the Gap. Uh, these jeans, blah, blah, blah. You're praising the Gap. Or, you know, you, you, oh, you should have seen, you should have gone to this restaurant. This restaurant was phenomenal. You're praising the restaurant. It's okay. I'm just saying that we have a sacred trust that we often neglect. Our worship goes vertical on the weekends, sure, and sure it it should happen all during your day and all during your week at times, but it has to go horizontal, and you've got to open up your mouth and let somebody else know how good God has been to you. That completes the circuit. And there's another word for this. It's a scary word in the church. Evangelism. Evangelism is what we call sharing your faith. And there are people in the church who are scared to death to share their faith. Statistics bear this out, that less than 1% of Christians in America ever tell somebody about Jesus. Isn't that crazy? And and I know why we're scared of it. I know why, because I've been there. I've had the awkward conversation where the person has thrown you a question and you're like, just come to church with me, you know, (laughs) right? And I've also been where many of you are where I'm just not good enough. I'm, I'm bad. And I know I can put the face on for Sunday, but you didn't see me Thursday night. I've been there too. See, most of us eliminate ourselves. We disqualify ourselves from sharing our faith because we don't know enough or we aren't good enough. And I wanna tell you something, that's not evangelism. That's not what evangelism is based on. Because when vertical worship goes up, I said this last week, when vertical worship goes up, it has nothing to do with how you feel. I don't care if you get a headache, if you vomited five minutes before you came to church. I don't care if you fought all the way here with your spouse. I don't care. God is worthy no matter how you feel about your life. No matter what. So vertical worship is not based on how you feel. Horizontal worship has nothing to do with how you perform. And the problem is most of us have this performance mentality about Christianity. We think we have to perform. You don't have to perform. Stop it. Just stop trying to be a good person, will you? (laughs) I never thought I'd hear a pastor say that. (laughs) Because you can't be good on your effort. Goodness comes from knowing what's inside of you is already made good through the blood of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. He has by your faith made you a perfect person that when God sees you, he knows there's some messed up stuff about you. Let's not, let's not dance around that subject. But when he sees you, he doesn't see your mistakes. He sees the blood of his son, the perfected work of the cross, and he forgives you and pardons you and makes you right with him by faith in Jesus Christ. That's good news. Now, knowing that makes you automatically start to become better person because I don't want any of you staying where you are and that's not what the thrust of this message is but I do want you to get more and more in tune with the perfected work of Christ already done inside of you and for you and knowing that will by itself produce you to be an evangelist evangelism is just sharing good news it's bragging to others about God it's worship When you tell somebody how God has been good to you, you are worshiping God. In fact, I found this definition online, or not online, in in one of my books uh, for evangelism. Here's what it is, we'll put it on the screen. The proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ, which, I love these two words, which arises naturally. I love that. It's not forced on you and it's not forced out. It arises naturally from believers' love for God and appreciation of all that God has done for them. Now in John chapter four, We have a woman who by every account is disqualified from telling anybody about Jesus. She is called the Samaritan woman. We find out about her in the first part of the chapter. I'm not going to read that part because I just want to summarize it. She meets Jesus at this well. It's 12 noon. The fact that she's at the well at 12 noon in the afternoon to draw water, probably 20 gallons of water, means that she wants to be alone. Because in the hot Palestinian sun, you do not go draw and carry water at 12 noon. You do it in the morning or you do it in the evening. She's there at noon. She wants to be alone. We find out why she wants to be alone. Because when Jesus starts talking about thirst and water and living water and everything, she says, I'd like some of that. And he says, okay, go call your husband. And maybe you know the story. She says, I have no husband. Jesus says to her, you're exactly right. You've had five husbands. And the man you are with now is not your husband. I found something else out about that verse this, this week. In the Greek, the emphasis is on the word your. You know how you can, ma- you can change the meaning of a sentence just by emphasizing one of the words? Well, in the Greek, let me read that sentence again and you'll see what I mean. Jesus says, you are right in saying that you do not have a husband. In fact, you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. She's sleeping with some other woman's man. She's committing adultery, and she's probably done this many times before. And by the way, she's jacked up in her theology. She has this conversation. When Jesus talks about her husband and the fact that she's committing adultery, she says this funny line. She goes, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet, and you Jews think we should worship in Jerusalem, but we, deserve, we think we should worship here on Mount Gerizim. <laughs> Sometimes the Bible's just funny, because Jesus has just told her, you're basically a whore. <laughs> and she says, since we're talking about my adultery, um, let's talk about denominational distinctives. <laughs> Where should we worship? I mean, you, you know, they say that a lion, or not a lion, but an animal of any kind will chew off a leg to get out of a trap. How many know that there are some unbelievers that when you get too close to the deal with Jesus, they'll chew off their leg to get out of that conversation? Amen. Like, you'll be telling them about Jesus, and they'll be like, yeah, well, what about gay rights? No, what about ev- uh, evolution? You don't all believe that in creation stuff. Come on. Like, right, we've been there? Oh, you Christians, you're all a bunch of Republican white wing freak, uh, freaks. You know, that's, that's what they do. What are they doing? They're trying to get out of the conversation. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Well, Jesus just lets the conversation go that way. And he starts talking to her about worship. He says, listen, I want to tell you something about worship. Worship isn't going to matter about where. Worship is going to matter about who. Because worship isn't a place. Worship isn't a building. Worship is a person. You're going to worship God wherever you are in spirit and in truth. And then she says to him, in verse 25, I know that when the Messiah shows up, he's going to tell us all about these things. And Jesus says to her, that's me. I'm the Messiah. And then verse 28, the disciples come back, but verse 28, here's what the woman does. So the woman left her jar and went away to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did can this be the Christ? Can this be the Christ? I want you to notice that she still has questions. She's not full of everything. She doesn't know all that she should know. She's in the journey. She's just had one experience, and it's changed her dramatically, and she's excited about it and she wants to go and tell everybody about it and she's met Jesus and it means something to her and the Bible says then they went out of the town and they were coming to him and later on in the chapter this phenomenal thing happens. Look what it says in verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony and skip down. They said to the woman it's no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves and know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Fascinating. This town is converted to Jesus by a woman that, by all accounts, we would label with the worst derogatory terms imaginable. When I read this this week, I, asked my, I, I had this nasty little thought come to my head. I said, shouldn't she, like, go to church for a little while first, feel a little bad about what she's done for like 25 years, <laughs> go through the classes and the programs, get some education, attend for a while, and then tell somebody about Jesus? <laughs> that was my thought. She's not qualified to share her faith. She's got questions. She's a She's a woman. And I thought about you. I asked you, I asked you this question. If God can use her to witness and share what Jesus has done in their life. He can definitely use you. Because I'm pretty sure we don't have anybody here who's had five spouses and is now currently sleeping with somebody else's spouse. Like we might have a couple of three-timers. You know, maybe four, one four-timer here, who knows? And if you're that person, don't tell us. But if, 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 if we had somebody that, we, that came to our church and we knew, we knew, this is her. You know what she's done? I mean, that, you know how church people like to gossip? That would be like, you wouldn't sit next to her. If she sat in that section, you'd sit in that section. Right? And I, saw, I want I want you to hear this. Horizontal worship has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Christ in you. That he came to you. Don't ever say, I found Jesus. You didn't find him. You weren't looking for him. He found you. He grabbed you. He, he went after you. And now he has changed you. In some way, hopefully, there's been this immediate impact in your life because of Jesus Christ so point number one is this. Horizontal worship is getting over ourselves. You've got to stop looking at your record and start looking at Christ's record. Yeah, they knew you before. Yeah, you still don't have it together yet. Yeah, you still have some questions. But it's not about your performance, friend. It's about what Jesus performed for you. I love this, this, this quote from Mark Batterson, <laughs> I love this quote, he says, our biggest problem is not feeling bad enough about what's wrong with us. Our biggest problem is not feeling good enough about what's right with God. That's our problem, because feeling bad about you is natural for you, right? It's easy. I don't even have to tell you you stink to know you stink. I don't even have to tell you you're broken to know, for you to know you're broken because I'm broken and you think that I get up here after I've lived a sinless life all week does anybody actually think that like I'm a holy man I'm not holy because of what I've done I'm holy because of the blood of Jesus Christ that he has washed my sins away and I'm on the road just like you that's why I don't wear a robe jeans baby keeping it real just like you Amen, somebody. So horizontal worship is getting over you. It's not about you. And if God could use this woman with her past and her record and her questions and her sin, he can use you too. It's not justifying yourself because of your sin. You want to start walking away from that junk because it'll kill you. But it is, hey, I've met Jesus. Something's different. He's done something for me. I need to tell somebody about that. And I can't afford to be ashamed. Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. You should be proud of what Jesus has done in you. You should be happy that he's done something good in you. It should be bubbling over in your life and in your conversation. You can't help tell someone that Jesus Christ found you, saved you, cleaned you, and washed you. So get over you and get into Jesus. Number two, horizontal worship is about not forgetting what God has done for you. Not forgetting what God has done for you. The psalmist said it like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he lists them. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The problem with us is we forget. We forget. We just forget. And the reason why we forget is because we are bombarded every single day with messages of what we need to be happy. You don't even have to have a TV to have this happen to you. Just driving down the road. The billboards. Stop, you know, going through the grocery checkout line. Can to tell you that one of the worst places in my life and my week is when my, my, my wife says, go to the grocery store for me. Because I hate that checkout line, man. If there is a no-win situation in the world, that's it. Because what happens? You walk through the checkout line, and you look to your right, and there's magazine after magazine about how to lose 10 pounds in 10 seconds. How J-Lo got her body back. You know, how uh, Justin Timberlake got six-pack abs by eating donuts and sit-ups twice a week. And there it is—all these things that you should be right on that side. You turn around, and what do you see? Candy bars for as high as the as far as I can see. (laughs) Yes, Elizabeth Warren, the system is rigged against you. (laughs) It does not work. You got to start remembering. You got to start remembering what God has done for you. So, number three, and I have it very quickly: horizontal worship is about writing it down and talking it out. Write it down and talk it out. That's point number three. One of the things that has revolutionized my walk with Christ is keeping a journal. And I want to encourage every single one of you to do this. You can get an app for it or you can go the old-fashioned route and get this paper thing that they sell at Staples It's called a notebook. Like if you're under 15, paper is what we used to write on (laughs) before we texted everything. (laughs) And you just write down what God has done recently in your life. And the thing that I do in my journal is this. I start off every journal entry with this question. In what ways have I seen the grace of God manifested in my life this week? How have I seen it? Can I answer that question? So a little while ago, I was flipping through some previous entries in my journal. And the first thing that I realized is that I spend a lot of time in my journal complaining. I do. And then I've realized that if I just flip the page a couple of pages later, the very thing that I was complaining about has resolved. Sometimes miraculously, sometimes just naturally. And sometimes God has showed up in a big way. About five years ago, I had a real close friend, who was also on staff, just walk out, just leave. And it, it, it cut, it cut hard, it cut deep, it cut hard. And I remember, you know how when God tends to take away things from your life, you ever notice that God is like your mom with a band-aid? Like this won't hurt if we do it real quick. You know what I'm talking about? And that's how God takes things out of our life sometimes. Just like you're done with that. And it was just like that, quick, within a month, gone. And I was reading the Bible, and I got to 1 Samuel chapter 16. God says to Samuel, after Saul had just gone haywire, the king of Israel, he says, listen, Saul, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? He says, listen, Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? I've rejected him. Take up the horn of oil and go to Jesse's house and find David. And And I realized God was speaking to me. And the very person that I needed to take over, the very responsibility that person had was sitting right there and already in position to take this place to a whole nother level that I could have imagined beforehand. And just listening and repeating and reciting the things that God has done in my life. Do you understand that I have worship moments alone with my journal, remembering, not forgetting the good things that God has done in my life? And I've read many, many, many pages in my in in my journal where God has just come through time and time and time and time and time and time and time time again. Because we forget. The psalmist said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Horizontal worship. And then he says, This here's my story. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces never are ashamed. He says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Are you writing it down? And secondly, it's time to talk it out. This is why we do small groups. This is why it all comes back to fellowship with Christians of like faith. So that you don't get into a small group and you start arguing about what version of the Bible you should read. I really don't care. Just read it. Preferably English. <laughs> and you start talking out what God has done in your life. And when I'm totally wiped out from a week that has just had me going through garbage, I hear what God's doing in your life and I say to myself, if he can do it for you, you can do it for me horizontal worship horizontal worship and I thought about one last, one last thing that, that I have a small group it's the pastors in this town we're good friends and we talk and um, when I first got into this group I was like really depressed because I was a young pastor and this crazy thing happens in your church when you first start out that you totally don't expect that people are not going to like what you do, (laughs) and they're going to leave, and sometimes it's going to be a Band-Aid ripoff, and sometimes it's going to be a real slow, methodical, painful, torturous death. And I thought, there's something wrong with me, because if I was good enough for this job, then nobody would leave. I got into this small group with a very seasoned pastor. And I said to him, listen, man, I got a problem. He said, what? I said, I got people who leave. What am I doing wrong? You know what he did? He laughed at me. (laughs) He's like, get used to that, brother. That's life. That's this ministry. And it's not about you. Some people come and go. You serve the people who are ready to go. And everybody else? You let them go. Can't tell you how that has revolutionized my life. All the pressure comes off. I can be myself. I can trust that God has made me and I'm normal. Well, I'm not normal in the normal sense of the word. <laughs> but I'm just like everybody else. And the struggles that I have other people have. You know the devil's number one en- the devil devil's number one weapon for many of you isolation he wants to he wants you to absolutely believe that you are the only one in the world who has these problems this is why people commit suicide this is why people walk out the door of the church because they think something's wrong with me all these people come they show up they got smiling faces they got marriages that seem perfect and my life is out of control and you come in a small group and you show up the first time you're scared to death they're gonna find out about me and if you're a good leader you'll tell them your struggles and they'll say None of these people are normal. They all got problems. And then we pray for each other. And we love each other. And we wrap our arms around each other. And we heal each other. But you can't do this alone. You can't. I want you to stand.